Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am Dustin Levy and we have survived week one and the stormy weather that came with it. Let me introduce my co-host first, the diligent Dan DeLuca. Dan, how are you doing and have you recovered from your game? Yes, uh, like first game in seven years and just like I left off, Big, huge weather delay, two hours right in the middle of the game, finished up a little after midnight, but really good game. So it was, I wouldn't say it was worth the extra two-hour delay, but at least it was a good game. Of course, we have the astute Alex Martin. Alex, how are you doing, and how well-equipped are you for all of your fantasy drafts? Doing good. Had one last week, actually. Thought I had a pretty solid team that was drafted, uh, posted that to Twitter and everything. But um, yeah, survived. No rain, no lightning down in Collier County. Was able to see four four quarters of football with no delay, which was great. I don't think you can say the same though, right? No, I, I'm coming off a, a delayed game last night. I was out at South for not even the conclusion because uh, the, their game ended after three quarters between South and Gulf Coast with the Sharks coming out on top. But yeah, Friday night, uh, me and our Award-winning producer Amanda Inscore uh, were trapped in the press box as the storm raged right on top of us. It was a crazy, crazy night, but uh, I'm glad that we have some games to talk about. Not all of our games were completed. Some of them are going to be held in October. Let's get into it. For you guys, what were some of your main takeaways from all the outcomes this week? Let's start with my game. Naples, on paper, you know, in the final score, you know, beats Lehigh 45-9. to I talked about it Friday night in his Twitter spaces. We'll be doing that again this Friday. It would tale of two different halves, really. First half, Lehigh was, I'd say, hanging around. Um, you know, despite it being 21-3, to they kind of had some self-inflicted wounds early on. They, you know, were down 14 nothing in the first four and a half minutes. From there, they were always, you know, playing catch-up. At times in the first half, they were playing really stout defense, shutting down Naples at times. And then uh, you, you couldn't say that in the second half. Um, Golden Eagles made necessary adjustments. You know, they held Richard Young to 75 yards rushing and 40-some-odd yards receiving. Still had over 100 all-purpose yards against the Golden Eagle defense, which is very hard to do in and of itself. They kind of limited his touches. Uh, Lehigh as a team did have 265 yards of total offense, though, um, which you know one of the i'd say it's one of the silver linings from that loss being able to move the ball against naples so that one was you know kind of some you know key takeaways for me what'd you see from the quarterback situation over at naples i saw a more clearer picture actually um nico boy seemed to have you know with his opportunities and reps gave that offense life um you know unfortunately you know you can't really say the same about jack melton um, you know, when he's in the game, you kind of know what's going to happen. Um, and that, that is giving the ball to one of their three running backs in the backfield or two, depending on formation. With Nico Boyce in there, he flashed some really impressive speed for a sophomore. The kid is quick. He kind of showed some shades of, of Stanley Bryant essentially being a fourth running back in that formation. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if we're talking next week, if, you know, he's going to be the everyday starter for the Golden Eagles. And it sounded like the North Fort Myers, Fort Myers 
rivalry lived up to the hype. Dan, what time did that one wrap up? It was a little after midnight. You know, the most recent North Fort Myers battles, you know, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened. Really good, really tight, close game. Defensive battle, which I'm not sure uh, a lot of people expected, especially with all the offensive talent on both the teams, but Fort Myers wins in overtime, 16-10. to 10. Red Knights did not score an offensive touchdown in regulation. Fort Myers had a punt return called back by a questionable penalty. They had uh, missed two field goals because of bad snaps, one of which North returned 85 yards for a touchdown and their only touchdown in regulation. At the end of the game, uh, Bo Somerset looked like he had broken through, looked like he was going to score, had the ball punched by Madrid Tucker. It kind of kicked off Bo's leg, went through the end zone for a touchback. That's what kind of set it into overtime. Fort Myers had the ball first in overtime, could not score. First play of overtime, Bo Somerset goes around the end for 10 yards and the touchdown. So it was nice to see, because he had the miscue at the end of the game, that he was able to come back, score in overtime. His coach liked it too. This is what Dwayne Mac had to say about Bo Somerset after the game. Bo's a special player. He's a special player. He can run, he can throw, he can do it all, man. And for you guys to put him number 14, number 14 in the top 15, with some other guys you have and we already knocked off, hey, that's the chip that we have. We talk about it every day. All right, that was fun to hear from Coach Mack. Let's get into some of these other games. One that stood out to me was Dunbar 23, Charlotte 3. That, that result was way more lopsided than I expected. Anthony Benjamin with 11 receptions for 139 yards and two touchdowns. I think Benjamin is one of the most underrated players in the area. Just the ability to just completely break a game wide open with his speed at wide receiver. His Twitter handle's right on. Amp be too quick, right? Um, Definitely too fast for the Charlotte defense. Already in double-digit receptions in the first game. Kind of cool to see he's on pace for 100. That'd be be a fun storyline to follow if he can somehow keep that clip up which is definitely possible i think him and probably two or three other receivers would have a a chance of getting to 100 receptions we saw this last year with uh, them you know in in the past game he was the spark of that offense uh when they were throwing the ball they would probably want to balance it out a little bit this year now that twaski abrams is in year three you know if they need a big play you know you you give the ball to seven and, and you know you let him do his thing absolutely Dan, was there another result that might have stood out to you? How about Bishop Barrow 57, Port Charlotte 49? You're talking about a game with almost 1,200 total yards of offense. Carter Smith picks up where he left off last year, 299 yards passing, three touchdowns, rushes for 85 yards, and another three scores. One plus, really, for Vero in this game was they struggled with the running game last year, really didn't have a running back kind of step up. Richie Rode in the preseason talked about a couple of freshmen that he thought could kind of come through for them, and one of them, Deshaun Jenkins, goes for 105 yards, one touchdown last week, so that's a good sign for Bishop Vero. That's the most point points they've scored in a game since 2019 when they hung 73 on the bell and then 58 on Cardinal Mooney. Those were some bad teams. They both went two and eight that year. Port Charlotte, we think, is a pretty good team. So to put 57 points on that defense, uh, I mean, I think that's really saying something for the Vikings. Of course, 
you don't want to allow 600 yards every week. You know, you're not going to win a lot of games that way. So that's obviously something they've got to fix. But a really good showing for them on the road. In two games this year, if you want to count the preseason, they put up 124 total points. Things are clicking over there right now. And it'll be interesting to see if it can continue against, um, you know, a much stingier, tougher defense this week. Another close game was Community School walking it off against Immokalee with Decker Crosby throwing the game-winning 13-yard touchdown to Grayson Kersher. That was a good one. Alex, any other games that uh, caught your eye? Well, I think Baron Collier beating IMG Blue, you know, putting a beat down on them, 37 points. And this is a game that was called at halftime. You know, the Cougars hang five touchdowns, I think, uh, you know, in the first half. Tommy Mooncotch uh, completed 10 passes for 123 yards. Running back goes for 180 yards on seven carries. I thought that was pretty impressive. Uh, you know, maybe Baron Collier didn't take as big of a step back as we thought. We should have a better indicator of that uh, this week when they take on a local opponent in Palmetto Ridge, who surprisingly scored their first win in the Paul Giovine era. Props to them, and I know those kids have gone through a lot over the past year. A huge road win down in the Keys uh, for Giovine, the Bears, and company. I don't think really any of us would have expected them to start 1-0 and against that team, which actually has a, uh, a seems a power five lineman. That might uh, make this week's matchup against Barron a little more interesting. And that's a perfect transition because I just wanted to shout out all the first-year head coaches who got wins. ECS with Mac Mitchell shutting out St. Stephen's on the road and... Also, Riverdale winning a close one at the start of the Frank Hepler area, 25-22 over Laley. Just wanted to touch on the games that got postponed to later in the season. Gateway Charter Oasis, Mariner East Lee, and Ida Baker Cape Coral. And after this break, we're going to look ahead. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at naplesnews.com, news-press.com. And by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. And welcome back. We have a very special matchup coming this week in Fort Myers hosting St. Thomas Aquinas. We have some really great content coming out this week. Alex, can you tell us a little bit about what you have coming on the history of this rivalry? Sure, yeah. I'm really kind of highlighting, you know, the two teams. Uh, you know, obviously their 1992 matchup is one that a lot of people locally would remember because of the fact that both teams were ranked inside the USA Today top 10 at the time, which is a pretty big deal. Um, it was a state semifinal that year. Aquinas ended up winning 28 to nothing. And I'm really kind of doing a, a bigger picture story on where it began, where the two programs are now, and how they've kind of went in different directions in terms of success and whatnot. Um, Aquinas has obviously turned into a national powerhouse since that first championship for them in 1992. This new generation kind of taking part in it. None of them were born the last time the two faced in 2001. That happened to be Sam Sirianni Sr.'s last game as coach definitely going to try and provide some perspective for the elders in this area and also maybe the younger ones who didn't really have a chance to experience this in the 2000s obviously a lot of contested matchups you know four years in a row from 98 to 01 those were some pretty heated matchups as were uh, 1991 and 92 Aquinas' AD Tuan Russell was on that 91 team as was head coach Roger Harriet who was a freshman that year 
Um, so he kind of had an experience uh, as a freshman and sophomore playing Fort Myers and really seeing the program build to what it is now. You know, uh, Harriet's got, I believe, five crowns in eight years as head coach. So had a chance to talk to Roger Harriet and, and Sam Sirianni Jr. and, and, and Don Weekly and uh, some of those other guys to kind of really provide the perspective on this rivalry. And Dan, I know you're diving a little deeper into that 92 team. Anything interesting that you're learning? Well, I came back just in time because 10 years ago, I wrote a story about the 20th anniversary of the 92 team. And now I'm writing a story about the 30th anniversary of the 92 team. And when you talk about the 92 team, it isn't really just one team. It's sort of a culmination of, of three years. In 90, you know, those seniors on the 92 team were sophomores. They lost one game to Charlotte, and that kept them out of the playoffs. So they did not make the playoffs in 1990. You're talking about an era where only district champions made the playoffs. There was no runner-up uh, qualifications for the playoffs playoffs, no wild cards, none of that stuff. 91, make it to the state semifinals, lose to Aquinas, 17 nothing at Edison Stadium. Really hard-fought defensive game, kind of got away from Fort Myers in the second half. So going into the 92 season, I mean, they were really looking at that as, you know, this is our chance to do something nobody's ever done before or since, which is bring a state football championship home to Lee County. Just really rolled through the regular season. Very explosive team, a lot of personality. This is the era of the Miami Hurricanes, kind of styled themselves after that. And uh, had really a player whose high school exploits have not really been matched since then. I mean, mean, really for all the attention that Noel Devine got sort of in the beginning of that social media stage, Jamie German, uh, for him to get the attention that he got in 1992 prior to, you know, all of the attention that that people get today as far as social media, is really pretty special. I mean, you're talking about USA Today, National Defensive Player of the Year, the first Florida Mr. Football. He won that as well. Parade All-American, MVP of the Florida-Georgia All-Star Game. I mean, just an amazing season. But like a lot of those special seasons, it ends at the hands, again, of St. Thomas Aquinas. They lose 28 to nothing in Fort Lauderdale, ending that season and really sort of kickstarting that whole, you know, idea of a curse that Fort Myers has when they go up against Aquinas. You know, it is a rivalry, but it's, it is a one-sided rivalry. A lot to look forward to in that one on Friday night and a lot of really nice matchups this week. Alex, uh, what's one that has your attention? we got to kind of lean towards our game of the week, right? Dunbar taking on North Fort Myers. A really, really good matchup last year. 7-3. to three. Dunbar wins. Uh, North probably should have won that game if it weren't for two missed field goals. North had a, a really uh, solid game plan against Dunbar. It wasn't meant to be. Um, you know, this year is definitely a... Uh, you know, there's a possibility that changes. Uh, in you know, there might be a little bit of uh, bad blood in this game. You know, Adrian Stone and Tavares Irons are on the other side now. We'll see how chippy and how physical this one gets early on. But you know, I I would be shocked if this is a a one-sided game. I don't think that we can forget that Dunbar hasn't lost a game in the regular season for two years now. They are still looking to assert themselves as a top dog and north you know things have been trending in the right direction for them you know are they ready for this because if they pull off this win you know maybe their top dog it's uh in lee county 
So that's that's going to be one that I'm really looking forward to. Dan, what about you? What game are you excited about? Uh, well, none of us are going to see this game uh, because it's on the road. But I think Naples at Venice is is a really good way to take the temperature kind of of both these teams at this point. Naples, you know, took care of business against Lehigh last week. Really pulled away in the second half. Venice ended up losing, but they lost to Miami Northwestern. I mean, there's there's no shame in that. Defending 8A champions, we kind of get the sense that, you know, Naples has a chance to make a run, get to a state championship game this year. You know, if they can go up to Venice and really have a good showing, uh, even if they don't win that game, if they're in that game in the fourth quarter, if they can keep it a one-score game, I, I think it really, you know, can kind of help springboard them and give them that confidence that they need, you know, if they, when they get into the playoffs, get into a tough battle, that they can look back at this game and, and their performance up at Venice if they can stay with them. And one thing to point out is that Venice had two touchdowns called back due to penalties. Um, a very young team for John Peacock standards. Definitely some youth there, some inexperience after losing a lot last year. Venice does have a five-star defensive lineman in Damon Wilson, um, who is, you know, Naples is going to have to game plan around or game plan for him. So definitely going to be a nice little clash between two different styles for sure up at uh, up at Powell Davis Friday. And they won't be the only team with a big challenge on the road. Alex, w- what can you tell me about First Baptist? Well, they're playing a team that is uh, has won their last 30 games. Um, Chardon, Ohio is Cleveland suburbs, uh, closer to, I, th- I believe, Canton and um, you know Akron area, kind of. One of those teams that you don't really know a lot about. They've won two straight state championships up in Ohio. This is another trip uh, up north for First Baptist. They went to Andover, Massachusetts last year and, and won quite handily. I think this game is going to be a whole lot more competitive than last year. Chardon just played uh, Camden, New Jersey, who had seven Division I prospects. Chardon has just two, and they put a looks like a pretty sizable beat down on them, 36-6. to So, um, you know, definitely one to watch, I think. Uh, this game will not be Friday night. It'll be 3.30 Saturday. I'd be interested to see how the Lions fare. Um, if, you know, if they can come away with a winner, as Dan kind of alluded to in his, uh, his pick for one of his top games, if they can have some sort of a good showing here, um, I think that'll be really encouraging for their prospects in 1S. Another fun one, I think, is going to be Lehigh at Bishop Rowe, just to kind of, you know, another one that's going to take the temperature of both these teams. Can Lehigh rebound from their Naples loss? Bishop Rowe, for, for all they've done offensively to start the season, can their defense handle Richard Young? That's going to be a really exciting one. Any, any other thoughts? Um, what, what do you think about that matchup well also can can Vero handle the pressure of, of being one win away from 300 you know does that get to any of the kids heads does that add a little pressure coming into this week I imagine Richie Roden company will try and downplay that and you know try to you know avoid making that a distraction because they've got a five-star running back to worry about who is primed to I think have a really impressive bounce back game here Last time uh, Richie Road faced Richard Young, it was nine carries for negative uh, 11 yards and two fumbles. Uh, this is 2020 at Cypress Lake. Lightning ended up winning that one. Richie took away the run game. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, Lehigh is definitely thirsty for a bounce back win. They're hungry for it. Will they get it here on the road? Uh, definitely one to watch. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, you know, Greg Coleman will not be at this game. He'll be up at uh, West Virginia. 
Pats. Might, could call it the Greg Coleman game because he was uh, AD at Lehigh last year. Now he's AD at Vero. He'll be uh, enjoying some Mountaineer football up in uh, up in West Virginia. And we'll be making some concrete predictions on these games after the break. So when we return, we will share our picks for Week Two games. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week. Go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. we go! And welcome back. It is your favorite segment of the podcast. It is picks time. We had a pretty pretty good time last week, or at least I did. I went 7-2, and two, while my colleagues over here both went 5-4. and four. We did pick 10 games, so obviously you guys saw that added up to 9. Um, that Ida Baker-Cape Coral game did not get completed. When that does, it will roll over into that week's picks, so we will not be um, you know, picking that game again, obviously. We will just pick it up uh, when that game takes place. Pretty loaded slate this week. I think everybody kind of knew that going in. Um, a lot of competitive contests. Um, and they start on Thursday night, guys. Um, you know, SFCA Canterbury is one to watch. Um, Eastleigh County Estero is also Thursday. Um, you got about four games uh, Thursday night, so it should be should be exciting. But we're only picking one of them. Uh, SFCA Canterbury, a good little private eight battle here. Dan, I mean, can you know Canterbury impress in a forty-nine nothing win over Marco Island? Um, SFCA trying to get in the win column. Can they do that? I think so. The difference will be. SFCA's offense in that passing game. It's a big rivalry. I mean, these schools, you know, really like to get after each other, but I I think the difference is going to be that passing game. Yeah, I'm going to agree and go with SFCA. I think Shaden Gondor caught 11 passes for nearly 200 yards last week. One of those performances we highlighted in our Game Balls article, that's going to be my pick. Shaden Gondor probably going to have a field day here, I think. If he doesn't, you know, that'll be attributed to the Canterbury defense kind of game planning around him. Um, but I think he's in line for another big one here. Eli Moore and them are, are primed to bounce back after a pretty tough loss to Santa Fe. Um, I'm going to take SFCA as well, um, so unison across the board there. Um, next up, a, a, kind of an interesting matchup, but I think you know there is a favorite here. Um, Laley going to Gulf Coast. I think um, a lot of us didn't expect Laley to be in it for four quarters against Riverdale, You know, with them having two Division One prospects. Um, you know, Gulf Coast uh, will be playing this game on shorter rest. Dustin, does that? Do you think that impacts them here um, at all? You know, do you, maybe a sluggish start. I'm not sure about that. I, I I'm going to take the Sharks here. Um, I just really liked Todd Nichols' game plan coming into into last night. Um, they didn't ask Connor Bear to do too much. They kind of kept it on the ground. I, I think they're going to be ready for this one, and and they're going to be two and zero. Dan, definitely one of the weirder games, I'd say. Any shot of a Laley upset at all? I think there's a shot. I, I think they they really did some good things last week against Riverdale. Uh, obviously, have a, a very good back. Um, you know that's able to kind of control the game at times. I, I just think they're still trying to you know develop that well balanced offense. Passing game you know is is really not there yet, and uh, I think that gives Gulf Coast uh, an advantage. They will be on, on a little bit of short rest. Um, if they overlook the Trojans, I mean, they can they can get upset here, but I, I don't see that happening. I, I think Gulf Coast wins this. Kind of picking up on Dan's point about seeing uh, Gershom Gurrier at, at Laley. Um, this will be the third team that's 
pretty much run the ball uh, for you know positive yardage in terms of uh, big gains and whatnot. You know they'll be facing a team that um, likes running the ball, so you know that'll be the matchup. I think uh, winning the line of scrimmage is key here. Um, Gulf Coast had a pretty solid job of that against Naples for the most part. Um, sounds like they did a really good job of that um, between Friday and Monday against South. Um, I th- I'd expect to see more of the same here. Um, you know, the, I don't think the Sharks get enough credit. I think they're a seven-win team this year. Um, I think they get win number two this Friday. Next up, Golden Gate going to Immokalee. Nick Bajika's squad is uh, looking to go 2-0 and in back-to-back seasons. Uh, James Delgado is still looking for win number one. Dustin, does does last week's loss kind of uh, hang with Immokalee here, or how do you think they uh, approach this one? I think Golden Gate might be too big a challenge. I mean, especially last week, uh, Brian Bachman going 15 for 20, 15 of 21 for 227 passing yards and two touchdowns. Uh, that that's you know an eye-opening performance uh, for me at least. So I, I'm going to pick the Titans here. I'm also with the Titans. I think it's just too much in terms of CSN's offense is, you know, not as great as Golden Gates in my opinion, but it is still an offense that can win games. Defending John Leon is, is going to be tough for them. Brian Bachman as well. Titans just have a lot of pieces. They put together a really solid program this year, I think. Um, and I'm also going to take the Titans, Dan. I think we have our first disagreement. I think Immokalee has kind of shown that this isn't really going to be maybe as extensive a rebuild as some people might have thought. They beat Glades Day in the preseason. We say, oh, that's a preseason game. That's, that's a pretty good program that they beat. And I think that, that surprised a lot of people. And then last week really took community school down to the wire. And community school has been a very solid team, very consistent program over the last few years. They're at home. They're getting Golden Gate, which, as you guys mentioned, you know, is kind of a team that people are eyeing for, you know, maybe a little bit of a breakthrough season. But uh, I think the Indians get them. I, I think that I like what I see so far out of them. Uh, James Delgado, you know, kind of has that program on the upswing, I think, a little bit. And I think they're going to exceed what people thought they would finish, how they would finish this year. And uh to do that, they're going to have to win some games that people don't expect them to win, and I think they get the win this week. This game is at Gary Bates Stadium, for the record. Um, definitely one of those where anything can happen. Golden Gate could fall flat. Immokalee could over-impress here. We shall uh, get the answer on that Friday night with Nick Wilson uh, there on behalf of us. Uh, next up, uh, Tampa Catholic coming down to Cypress Lake. They have not played a game yet this season. The Panthers have, albeit it was over a two-day stretch, uh, Friday, Monday. Um, Panthers got a 35-20 win over Gateway. Um, Eagles hung around in this one for quite a while. Uh, Dustin, uh, you think uh, Cypress can you know, start 2-0 here in Joey Mendez's second year? I think the turnaround might be a little bit too tough. And I know I said the opposite for Gulf Coast, but Gulf Coast is a very experienced team. I think Cypress Lake is a little bit younger. Um, and Tampa Catholic is, is not easy. I think they went 7-4 and last year. Um, so, yeah, I'm not... I'm going to go with Tampa Catholic on that one. I'm also taking TC. Um, they they just had a better strength of schedule last year. They've got a ton of pieces coming back, I think. And, um, you know, those pieces will, I think, give Cypress Lake some problems. 
Um, I'm going to take Tampa Catholic. Yeah, same here. Tampa Catholic. Good job by Cyprus. Win their season opener, but playing kind of a different level this week against Tampa Catholic, and I think that's going to be a little too much for them. In this matchup, I don't think any of us expected either side to potentially start 2-0, but it's going to happen. Palmetto Ridge going to Baron Collier this Friday. Somebody's got to come away undefeated. Dustin, which team is it? This is a tough one. I think it would have been a lot easier if Palmetto Ridge didn't have that showing that they didn't key west. But I'm going to go with the Cougars here. Brian Daniels had a really nice game against IMG Blue, rushing uh, for two touchdowns and 150 yards. I like uh, a good running game, so I'm going to go with Baron Collier. Look, this is one where I'd love to go against you because I, I think Palmetto Ridge has a, a pretty decent shot at this. But I, I just can't at this point. I'm still in wait-and-see mode with the Bears. This game will provide a much clearer picture, I think, of where they are because it's very hard to gauge against out-of-area teams that you haven't seen before. This was a pretty competitive game last year. The epic game where a Jaden Booker touchdown was called back because a ton of Palmetto Ridge players just ran onto the field. A lot of fireworks late in that game. That's what led to Chris Token in suspension last year. But I'm going to take the Cougars at home. Um, I think Mark Jackson's squad is is fired up. They're gritty. They got a chip on their shoulder. Um, some maybe some things were said in the media. I think the Cougars are are just the better team at this point in time. Dan? Yeah, I think so. I think the game's probably a little closer than people would have expected, maybe entering the season. But I, I think Baron Collier, they're at home. I think that'll be the difference. I, I, I think it'll be close, but Baron Collier comes out on top. So first five games are done. Next five games, I, I don't think there's going to be as much consensus here. I think there's going to be a lot maybe picking against each other. Starting with First Baptist and Chardon, the Lions, can they snap that 30-game uh, win streak from the Hilltoppers? Yeah, I'm not sure sure about that. Um, I'm going to take Chardon here. Um, I think that was why I asked in the last segment for you to tell me a little bit about them, but a 30-game winning streak, that's pretty nice. Look, I think it's too much. Chardon committed, surprisingly, don't tell me how, no penalties in 48 minutes last week against Camden, New Jersey. It's going to come down to coaching. This is, this is not going to be a game where you know someone's going to take over the game. This is going to be a game that's going to be won with the headsets, uh, Billy Sprasio and, and, and going up against a coach that's won 30 in a row <laughs> um definitely i think a tall order for first baptist the last time i think one of us may have picked andover last year by accident you know i think this this game is going to you know provide a clearer picture i am going to take chardon as well i just i'm unsure of how first baptist can fare against that i believe it's a pretty solid run offense that they have uh, up there Dan, are you going to go with the Lions at all? or No. Uh, tough to pick against back-to-back state championship team. Uh, for as good as First Baptist has been, you know, and as, as solid and consistent a program as, as they've been, this is this is a really tall task for them. I don't think they can pull it off, but I, I, I think there's some good things that can come out of this either way. You get to measure yourself, you know, against a team that's that's really dominated their competition uh, the last couple of years and really see where you are as a program consensus across the board there next up a team that's looking to get win number 300 uh bishop row playing host to lehigh i am going to start here in this one i'm not going to defer to dustin bishop Rowe's going to have to wait another week i think um lehigh is is fired up i i just i saw the tone on that sideline last week um they wanted to get back to work and they wanted to put that naples game behind them turn the page move on whatever um, I think Lehigh is, is going to be making some big strides this week, and 
you know they're going to be playing a, I think a much more fast athletic defense um, that could pose problems for the Vero uh, offense I think um, Carter Smith I think is going to have to do a little bit more in this one than he has in recent games to have a shot um, but Lehigh is just the better all-around team I'm going to take the lightning yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think it would be too reactive to look at those week one outcomes, um, especially based on Lehigh having to play Naples. Le- Lehigh just uh, has you know Richard Young on offense, Tyree Cunningham, Tyree Cunningham on defense. There's just more questions that I have about Bishop Rowe in this one, so I'm going to take the Lightning. Yeah, this is not uh, the situation that I think Vero wanted for this game. I think they would have much rather that Lehigh had a very good showing against Naples last week and, you know, didn't have that kind of chip and disappointment coming off that. And, you know, Vero gave up almost 300 yards rushing last week to Port Charlotte. Port Charlotte has some good backs. They don't have Richard Young, uh, and I I think that's going to end up being the difference. Lehigh wins this one. Definite X factor there for Richard. Next up, you know, we can make this one fast. Aquinas, Fort Myers... Two teams have gone in vastly different directions since 92. I'm going to start Aquinas big here. This game was kind of scheduled more towards the um, the fanfare and, and the pregame ceremonies and honoring this 92 team um, way back when. Aquinas just uh, too much for Fort Myers, I think. Yeah, I think Fort Myers is going to fall to 0-2, which is not something we've seen very often. Picking up on that real fast, last time it happened, 1981 41 years since Fort Myers started a season 0 and 2 um, it seems pretty imminent that it's going to happen this year Dan um, you know are you going to disagree with either of us I think it's going to be a fun night I mean nobody celebrates the past and the history like Fort Myers does I think it's going to be you know a really classy ceremony uh, but I, I think the game is is going to be uh, pretty out of hand I think Aquinas wins easily next game uh, Naples going to Venice guys um, this is a very Interesting game because Venice has had their reputation of making it to a Final Four, it seems like, every year. Um, can Naples pick one off here and, and start 2-0? Too tough a task. I'm going to go with Venice on this one. Um, but I, I think Naples is going to make it very competitive. Am I going to pick against Naples two weeks in a row? I think I am. Uh, it's tough to go against the defending 8A champs, even though they're young. They do have a lot of talent there. They lost last week to Northwestern, so I think they're going to be uh, fired up to get back on, on the winning track, especially at home. I think Venice wins. I was going to lean towards Venice here. I think I might still. I had Naples at 8-2 and two in my projected regular season with a loss to Venice here. I have no choice but to stick by that. I think, you know, the Indians are just too good at home specifically. I think last week was somewhat of an aberration for them. I'm going to take Venice here as well. And then our game of the week. Somebody's going to 2-0 in this one. North Fort Myers taking on Dunbar. As of right now, we are aware this game's at Dunbar. Um, It could switch to North depending on field conditions. Dustin, would home field play a role here, uh, you know, if this game were to get moved? I'm not sure because, uh, you know, Fort Myers played North pretty close at North. But I'm going to take Dunbar here, and I'm going to take them because seeing North's offense struggle a little bit against Fort Myers, well, Dunbar was a whole different test. And, you know, I know the Tigers lost a little bit, but I think they, they might feel like they have something to prove. 
So I'm going to go with Dunbar here. I think North wins this one. Really impressed with North's defense, uh, especially the defensive line. Uh, Adrian Stone just dominated that game against Fort Myers. I think he's going to be a nightmare for Dunbar to try to block. And listen, Fort Myers was really fired up for that game against North. Gave him the A-plus effort. North had every reason to lose that game, but they found a way to win. Even though they couldn't score an, an offensive touchdown in regulation, you know, they got it done. And I think they'll get it done against Dunbar. Flip a coin here, really. I mean, both sides have their respective arguments. Adrian Stone and Tavares Irons are on the other side. You know, they're probably pretty amped up more more than the other guys. Um, Anthony Benjamin and that receiving core are looking to really do some big things, win uh, and Winterbottom as well. I think this just comes down to taking care of the football. Which team turns the ball over fewer times? It's just whoever uh, whoever I'm going to say here, and I'm I'm going to pick Dunbar. I I, I just think that out on the skill positions that they they are just better i don't think you could say the same really about north fort myers especially with some of their guys playing both ways be curious to see if that takes a toll on them this time you know because chances are they're not going to have a two-hour rain delay or two-hour delay where they can actually rest up and recover and, and kind of play two different games so to speak so i'm going to take the tigers here dust and i are same across the board so uh you can't build on my lead at all which is great but yeah that'll wrap it up for you know for the pick segment um you, you guys know where to go at this point for all the best content in, in southwest florida you know you go to news-press.com sports naplesnews.com sports um you can get this podcast at apple podcast soundcloud youtube you know wherever you listen to your uh to your podcasts and um yeah we will be back covering games thursday night we know we'll be out Friday night, hopefully not Monday night, weather permitting. One constant, you know, we'll be recording this podcast every Tuesday, It'll be out every Wednesday at noon. So we'll see you next week for season five, episode four. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida football podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.